Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Jet Setra. This is episode number four. Uh, my name is Steve Lines. I'm a sports editor at the Winnipeg Free Press, and I'm here with our sports columnist, Mike McIntyre. Again, he's sitting in the big red chair, and I'm in the lousy red chair. Um, it's just a thing. Mike actually asked this I week did. if I wanted it. Let and I the said record no, show. Because that way I won't be able to bug you about it, right? So It's one of our best bits, Steve. We, really can't, we can't give it. It's our only bit, actually. <laughs> we, we don't want to lose our bit. Oh, we do have a, do, a, we have a new bit just yeah. recommended to us uh, just a moment ago Thanks, by Jen. our uh, <laughs> producer, uh, Jen Zarati. Um, we're going to have four quarters um, today instead of three periods, uh, kind of in uh, the theme of the It's Great Cup Week, right? For sure. So we'll, we'll kick it off with the first quarter, but we'll still talk about the Jets. Uh, Mike, the Jets won again last night. Yeah. They got their 13th win of the season. I'm looking at our agate page here, D6, and I'm trying to see how many other teams have 13 wins. There's two. A few. Well, two teams have more wins than the Jets, yeah, I believe. Yeah, only two teams. Only the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders have more wins than the Jets. I think Edmonton, Jets. sorry. Edmonton might have 14 no, as well. No, well, I don't know. How did Edmonton do last night? They did win. So. Oh, so Edmonton has 14 wins. So, and then there's a bunch of teams with 13 wins, including the Blues in Colorado, Arizona, et cetera, et cetera, Boston. Um, so heady stuff for the Jets. Um, I got to admit, I'm shocked uh, by all of this. Uh, the fact that they've now won five in a row on the road. They've won three uh, straight to, to, in this road trip that they're on, and they have 13 wins. and Eight, one, and one in November? Seven, one, and one, or is it Seven, eight, one, eight, one? Eight, I believe now, and uh, a November to remember, for yeah, sure, for the Jets. Yeah, so... Um, I don't exactly know how they're doing this. Um, <laughs> Smoke and mirrors a little well, bit? Well, a little bit. I, I, last night as I was watching the game, I was thinking this is a masterful coaching uh, job. Paul Maurice is really showing his colors here. I, I got to give. Some, I got to think that that's partly it. Um, but obviously the players go out and play. And So we're going to talk about two players in particular, I think, that have been very instrumental yeah. in this. And let's start with Nikolai Ehlers, who scored again last night. He's now got 10 goals on the season leads the team in scoring. Um, wh- what have you seen from him this season that's been different? Yeah, this is a guy that... he's scoring. He's m- shooting the puck. Remember how last year ended, Steve? I mean, people wondered, is Nikolai Ehlers ever yeah. going to score again? He right. had a drought to end the year. He didn't well, score he in the score, playoffs. Still hasn't, scored, still in hasn't playoffs, scored in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait on exactly. that Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I talked to Nikolai Ehlers in training camp. I think it's well documented now. He told this really neat story, actually, of, of his summer homework assignment that told me a lot about the player and and his dedication, I guess, to his craft. That here's a guy. His dad, by the way, uh, his, his Danish dad is a is a hockey coach right. back in Denmark, and actually suggested it to Nikolai Ehlers. Aren't that all of these guys' dads hockey? A coaches? lot of them are. Yeah, Adam Lowry, of course, anyways. is yeah, yeah. Dave's the coach of the Brandon right. Wheat Kings. Right. A lot of these guys, for sure, they they're they're lifers, if you will, and they yeah. grow up in that environment, which is probably a big part of why they get to where they are. Sure. That they have it in their DNA. In Nikolai Ehlers case, his dad gave him a homework assignment. He said, every night before you go to bed this summer, I want you to to spend some time watching every shift that you played last season. Every single shift. And so Nikolai Ehlers would get his iPad out. While a lot of us maybe watch Netflix before we go to bed, he was watching all 82 games plus playoff games back last season. He said he would do like one or two per night and spread it one over the summer. Games? One or two games. Oh, yeah. So you're talking maybe 20 shifts or 18 or however right. many shifts you get in a game. And 
the purpose of this was he didn't write an essay or anything. It would have been funny if his dad had him actually do a written segment. But it was to see, just to remind himself, I guess, when things were going well. What did he see? What, what did he look like? Where was he on the ice? And, of course, when things weren't going well, because Nikolai Ehlers, kind of like the Jets, had a real up and down year last year. There were some good times and some not so good times. And he said in training camp, he told me, I want to be a more consistent player. I want to be a guy who drives this team every night. And I think we're seeing that through the first quarter of the season. Leads the team in goals with 10 uh, and and really is a threat, I think, every time he's on the ice. Like, we, we know he has the tools, right. right? Yeah, he's always been able to get the puck into the offensive zone, and we've done stories on that. He's one of the leaders in the league of being able to move the puck. One man's zone the, entry. In, for sure, into the zone, and, and that's always been good for their Corsi numbers and all that or whatever, but he's never really finished like he has this year. Was there something that he saw in all Shooting these Shooting the puck. And you, talk, the puck? you yeah. talked about it. Um, wow, that seems uh, like the, a novel idea. It does. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's funny. Like, you'd think that these guys don't need to be reminded to do that. Not a Brian he- Little's head, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, one of his shots, yeah, his, was a costly <laughs> one this year. Uh, didn't hit the net. Um, but, you know, I, I was I forget which player it was. I was watching a, an NHL game a couple nights ago, and they were talking about one player who's a shooter and how his coach had to get on him to shoot the puck because he had gone four games without a shot on goal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And now he's shooting the puck. I think they said he had like 14 in his last three games and he had like four goals. You, you would think it would go without saying, if you're a goal scorer, the only way you're going to score is if you shoot the puck. Yeah. Like, how, does it, how does a guy not shoot the puck? But I guess, and I, I see this a lot with this year's Jets team, um, I think at times they are still trying to get too cute or they're they're almost too unselfish. Like mm-hmm. you almost, you watch sometimes sometimes and you think these guys should get more greedy. Like just uh and Nikola Ehlers is a prime example. I think, you know, he's he's obviously got the skill and he's a pretty good passer and playmaker. Um, but he also has a great shot. He just doesn't use it as much as maybe you'd like to see, although I think that's changed this year. And the confidence obviously is there, and that's great for the Jets because I mean, we've talked about it on these podcasts before, you know, Blake Wheeler's maybe regressing a little bit. Um, Mark Shifley's kind of had some ups and downs, but you look at a guy like Ehlers, I think Jack Rosovic's just been terrific as well. Almost every game this year, the Jets are getting these contributions. Well, they need those guys. Obviously. They do. And yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a big part of it. So, so another guy that you, you, or another guy that's really, really played well for the team. And you mentioned dedication to his craft and yeah. Nikolai Ehlers did this in the off season. The, the one guy we hear about so much that puts so much time into his game. Uh, we hear about this with Shifley too, but it's been Connor Hellebuck. And, 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 and I would suggest that he's been the team's best player this season. He's got a 2.35 goals against average, a 9.30 save percentage. Which I believe both are top um, five in the NHL. For sure. I think know, he's also number one in saves. He's, fa- he's made more saves <laughs> than any goalie. Yeah, he made he's 38 last night. 38, just yeah. a routine night just at the a, office. Right. Oh, um, because the Jets do, the way they... I mean, let's face it, with the turnover on the blue line, and I think just the way they're coached, the Jets will give up a lot of shots. They mm. they did last year too, mm-hmm. um, but Connor Hellebuck has just been tremendous. You know, there's no question. Two years ago, he was a Vezina finalist, didn't win. At this stage, I would have to think he's for sure a top three. Well, they're talking him up. They're talking him and Darcy Kemper, I guess, in Arizona yeah. as the two guys I mean, that have been if, the two best the goalies Jets this year. If the Jets not only make, if they end up making the playoffs and actually being a, a one of the top seeds, like, mm-hmm. is he a heart trophy candidate at this point? Well, 
he's clearly the most valuable player to his team. On this team, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just go back to that benching game three of the year in Long Island, right, where he sat for a second straight game. He struggled in his first game at Madison Square Garden. Brassois played the second game on the back-to-back, which was expected. Brassois gets that start against the Islanders. So three games into the year, and Brassois started two of them. To me, that that might be a turning point of the season. It's weird to say the turning point came in game three. That absolutely lit a fire under Connor Hellebuck. Him, he yeah, was yeah. mad that he didn't play that game, and he seems to be out to prove everybody wrong for criticizing him. Okay, we're back for our second period. Second period. It's the second quarter. Second quarter, yeah. I need to get used to that on this one here. Yeah, so... Um, Let's talk about uh, the Jets' schedule, Mike. Uh, they're currently on a four-game road trip, kind of out east. Well, they started out east on the coast, and then they go. They were in Nashville last night, and they finish up in Dallas. Then they come home for one game against Columbus on Saturday night, and then they immediately head west. Um, way west. Way west, yeah, all the way to the coast. Um, uh, so the NHL general managers have had been having meetings, and uh I understand that the schedule maker uh, for the NHL, imagine trying to do that job, by the way, um, was sort of taken to task uh, this week. Yeah, he was called on the carpet, I guess, to sort of explain a a lot of teams are not happy with their schedule this year. And I would put the Jets at the top of that list. I, I heard back in the summer that the Jets didn't like their schedule at least the first couple months of the season. I'm also told, Steve, that the first draft that they got of it was much worse and the Jets kind of push back. Uh, and I guess this is how it works, right? There's, I mean, you, they don't just draft a schedule and say, here it is. Like they, there's some back oh, okay. and forth. So the Jets push back. They got some things changed, which made it a little more palatable. The main source, you know, and I, I've heard from some Jets fans sort of questioning the road trips. Um, they are now, they've been on the East Coast twice and the West Coast, they're about to be for the second time. So twice in the Eastern time zone, twice in the Pacific time zone within the first eight weeks of the season. You'll recall they played a four-game road trip, New York and Pittsburgh to start the year. Start the year yeah. Then that road trip into California and Vegas a couple weeks ago, a quick return home for a few games, then out to Florida, so back into the East Coast and the Central Time Zone now where they really haven't played many games right. at all. Like, and I think that's part of what... Is the, that what they would have preferred is play some more Central for Time sure, Zone because games like to start the season? They've still only... Yeah, they've, they, they, they played two divisional games in their first 18, which mm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> by the time they... You know, they hadn't even seen five other teams in their own division. They had already wrapped up home and homes with New Jersey, with the Islanders. They had played every Pacific Division team. It's it's almost like the schedule makers forgot which division the Jets were in. But as I say, it's not unique to the Jets. Apparently, a lot of teams didn't like the schedule. And so the schedule maker at the yesterday's GM meetings was apparently it was like a 30-minute PowerPoint presentation where he actually showed them like the matrix of how they go through it all. And apparently there was a lot of questions and a bit of a learning experience, I guess, to kind of see how the sausage is made. Uh, and, and apparently the GM's left with some tips, I guess, on going forward things they can do. I mean, they have to give their their dates that aren't available and dates that are available, and it's a long process. But we'll see, I guess, if it, if it ends up making a difference. But obviously the challenge, too, there's 31 teams in the league, so there's an odd number. That's going to change when Seattle joins in, in two seasons from now. There's not even the same amount of teams in each conference. 
Um, and I'm told that's part of the challenge with, with having an odd number of teams like that. So the other thing is with the Jets, I mean, I know a big complaint, Steve, with the Jets is they only have two Saturday night home games all year and only eight Friday night home games. I think they play 14 times on Tuesdays, which fans are not all that excited I love about. That for deadlines, I love by it the too. Way, yeah. It's our we have uh, a later deadline. We do Tuesdays. have a later deadline. It's great, <laughs> um, but people. That's all I care about. Mike, people really want to. Uh, people want to maybe let loose a bit on the weekend, right? And and people look at the Manitoba Moose, who of course share Bell MTS right. plays. They almost exclusively play on the weekends. By the way, it's not like the the Moose schedule gets made long after the Jets schedule. So it's not like the Jets are reserving weekend days for the Moose. But the AHL has certainly had an impact in this market because the AHL tends to be more of a weekend mm -hmm. league, whereas the NHL is seven days a week. So I think getting the Moose here has meant the Jets aren't playing as many weekend games as maybe fans would like. Um, you know, So uh, this, this home game this Saturday against Columbus, I believe this is the second and final Saturday night home game of the season in Winnipeg. All right, let's uh, switch just a little bit. Also a little bit more league news. Let's talk a bit about this recent story that suggested the NHL has a big drug problem. Yes. Um, I know that you've had some experience uh, uh, with, with your on your crime beat and your justice uh, beat. In previous Just to be clear, not with a drug problem. <laughs> I haven't had any experience with that. Uh, okay. Uh, that's uh, okay to know, I guess. Um, if you had, I hope that you yeah. had it looked after. Um, and so, but we can point to uh, Bobby Ryan uh, today going into yeah. the substance abuse program. Um, what do you think about all this, Mike? Bobby Ryan, by the way, have you ever read his story? Like what he went through? It is you could make a movie on Bobby Ryan's story, just an incredible childhood, all kinds of abuse. And he's that, that guy's gone through hell. Like it's, um, I know a lot of people. That would be a common uh, situation with drug addicts. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of people are pulling for Bobby Ryan. He's also, Bobby Ryan's got the weight of the world on him because he was paid a, an absolute fortune by Ottawa and he's definitely right. underperformed to right. his contract. And yeah. I mean, nobody's feeling sorry for him on that front. He's making a lot of money and he's not much of a productive player anymore. But so what do you think? Do you think the NHL has a big drug problem? I do. Um, I mean, you have, and, and I say that because I think society has a big drug problem. Right. And for us to think that the NHL wouldn't be a microcosm of society would be fooling ourselves. It if anything, naive, yeah. right. And NHLers, I mean, it takes money sometimes to fuel a drug problem, right? And who has more money than NHL players? They also have a lot of. I think it was John Belushi or Robin Williams who said, "If you've got if you've got a cocaine problem, you probably have too much money." For sure. And <laughs> Theron Fleury would be Exhibit A. Did you ever read his book? I haven't. No. Amazing book, and he's absolutely candid. Of course, this isn't any time recent. He played, you know, in the '90s and. Uh, he has some amazing stories, Fleury does, of when he was with the New York Rangers and how, you know, he's a bit of a star with the Rangers and how he would, you know, play in a game at Madison Square Garden and a couple hours later he'd be in some flop house in like the Bronx where nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew he was a multimillionaire athlete. He was just another junkie. And this contrast between, you know, athlete My and... My understanding though is that the NHL does a fairly good job at this. They do. Um, None of these drugs to, are banned, though. Compared to, no, no. Well, uh, 
they're legal. Sure. Um, so, um, but they're not performance enhancing. Correct. So you're not getting suspended for cocaine. No. But you're you are getting, getting referred. Right. Yeah, you're so, getting help. And so that's, 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 in my opinion, that's a good thing. Not all companies do that. No. Not all organizations do that. And so it seems to me in general, the NHL has done a fairly good job. I agree. At, at drug and alcohol problems. And, you know, this, this story uh, was based on an anonymous survey, I think, of like 50 players. Yeah. Who, and, and the number, I mean, it wasn't a huge number that mm-hmm. said they felt there was a drug problem, but there's enough mm-hmm. and a belief that probably a lot of people weren't even being honest as well. We've heard lots of rumors, you know, just to be frank with the with our listeners, sure. we've heard lots of rumors over the years that the since the Jets have come back and we have investigated yep. and checked out some. And there's some things that maybe we do know that, um, that are still sort of rumors. Right. But... Um, I don't know. So here's here's always been a question, though, and you tell me what you think. If we were to know that somebody had a drug problem on the Winnipeg Jets, is it our responsibility to even report that? Is it anybody's business, really? No, not unless. I don't think so. Either, I don't frankly, think so. Right? No. Um, you know, not in, not unless it's, people want us to. Sure. I've had people phone me and say, "Hey, I heard that so and so is yep. in rehab, and you guys should be reporting right. this." And I'd be like, "Well, why? It's not." No, it's. It, I mean, it, but if a Winnipeg Jet were to get busted tomorrow for drug possession, story. or trafficking, Correct. then absolutely, yeah. that's our business. That's ever sure. that's news. Yeah. Uh, but if there's no violation of the and, law and it's it's essentially yeah. um, a personal issue, right. then I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> All right, welcome back, folks, for the third quarter of our Jet Cetera episode four. Did I mention it was episode four? You did. If you have not heard the previous three episodes, folks, you should go back and listen. Right? Great halftime speech, by the way, Steve. <laughs> you really, you really got me uh, motivated fired to up, are we? come yeah. out of the tunnel here. Have for... we called a couple of Omaha audibles or something? <laughs> yeah, for exactly. The third quarter. Yeah, I, I made some hand signals there, folks, that you didn't see. Um, anyways, the Bombers are in the Grey Cup. Wow, uh, playing the. Hamilton Tiger Cats on Sunday. Um, I'm a little surprised, but I'm not surprised. We chatted a little bit about it over the last couple of episodes that we've done of this or whatever, where did we think that the Bombers could do this? And I've thought that the Bombers could do this based on their talent and on their coaching ability. I just wasn't sure that they would do it. So I'm a little surprised, but not surprised if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, they they made it a difficult road for themselves, obviously, by losing their grip of first place, which right. looked you know, a third of the season when they were 5-0 and or right. looked like they were going to cruise. Uh, and yeah, of course, we want to rehash why yeah. they lost that. But, anyways, um, yeah. but so they made it difficult. They had to go into Calgary, a place where they haven't exactly had a lot of success. They maybe slayed a bit of a, a dragon by beating the Stampeders, not just beating the Stampeders, routing the Stampeders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be fair, that the weather that day was probably perfect for the Bombers. The Bo Levi Mitchell... I've seen in subsequent interviews said he barely could feel his hands. Like it, it was bitterly cold, like minus twenty five. Poor baby. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but they they routed the Stampeders. Then they go into Saskatchewan, and my goodness, do the Bombers ever love spoiling a party at Mosaic? This is now three big games the Bombers have gone in and won. The very first ever game at Mosaic was the Bombers. The Bombers won that game. Uh, the very first playoff game at Mosaic last year. Uh, Western semi, the Bombers won, and now the first ever Western final at Mosaic, and the Bombers go into Mosaic and win. Couple that with the Jets beating the Flames earlier this year at Mosaic, and do Winnipeggers now own that stadium? 
uh, kind we of own feels that like city. We do, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's Troy Westwood. Uh, but what a great matchup this weekend in in Calgary. I'm heading out there. Jeff Hamilton, of course, been out there since Tuesday. I'm heading out there uh, later this afternoon, Today, and yeah. um, looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, you got the two teams with the longest droughts, the Drought Bowl, as some mm. are calling it. 1990 for the Bombers, well documented. 1999 for the Tiger Cats. Hard to believe neither of these teams in an eight-team loop, nine-team loop, neither of these teams have won this century, uh, won a great cup. That's hard to do. (laughs) So somebody's going to end a long drought this Sunday at McMahon in Calgary. Who do you think that's going to be? Well, no doubt the Bombers are underdogs for sure. Hamilton was, what, 15-3, and 16-3 now with... They handled Edmonton, I think, pretty easily last weekend in the uh, East Final. Dane Evans looks like a heck of a quarterback. Very similar story to the Bombers, right? Because Jeremiah Masoli was their starter. Yeah, I thought when Masoli went out for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they were done. Year, in the game against the Bombers, right. uh, um, that they were going to be done. Uh, this this Dane Evans has turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. The one thing I'll say about the Tiger Cats is that they did play in the East all year. Right. They did play a, a lesser opponents that 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 Ottawa was fifth, terrible. Toronto, Toronto was, was terrible. Brutal. Um, you know, Montreal was okay. But that 15-3 record is somewhat inflated by their, For the, sure. the people that they were playing. The Bombers certainly played tougher opponents. Even beating Edmonton wasn't... I mean, I know eh. Edmonton beat Montreal the week they before and looked Trevor good. Harris, you know Edmonton what I mean? Trevor only Harris beat, can win. A, Edmonton had one win all year against a team with a winning right. record. Yeah, and that's, They beat up on Toronto exactly. and Ottawa and right. Montreal. So, I'm not a huge Trevor Harris fan. It was not surprising no. to me that he, he choked in, the, in, that, in that game. Um, so... Um, they're underdogs, um, but I think I, two I and a half is the line right yeah, now. That, two and I half think that's three. accurate. I think that the Bombers' defense is as good as any that I've seen in a long, long time, and I think that they in the offense now with Zach Claros. Huh. Um, you know, this guy is a quarterback who has been uber talented in the league for a long time. The only thing that's really held him back has been his concussions and his injury issues, but. I mean, if he stays healthy for the whole game and uh, and the Bombers' defense plays as well as it can, it should be another really really close game. I would imagine for sure. And and you've got the you know the 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 motivation last week. Obviously, Caleros playing against the team that that traded him at the beginning of the year when he lost his starting job. Ironically, the guy who knocked him out of the lineup and sort of set the yeah. wheels in motion to to get him out of Saskatchewan is Simone Lawrence. Mm-hmm who plays for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Mm. So uh, there's another little chip on Zach Calaris's shoulder, and we asked him about it the other night in, in Regina. He said, you know, it's not one-on-one, but there's no doubt there's a little extra motivation there. It just seems the stars are aligning, doesn't it, for the Bombers this season? Well, it looks that way. I mean, people in Hamilton are probably saying that for same sure. thing. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, but no, it should be a great game, and, um, you know, with, with the Bombers... They're, they're sure they're going to have a ton of fan support out there as well. Like they'll really be the home team. They'll feel it. I'm sure. I don't. Uh, you know, I've mentioned it here and in, in, in other areas of, of this publication and the free press before. Is that I I've never cheer for a sports team anymore. But there's a part of me that hopes <laughs> for the sake of the long suffering Blue Bomber fans here, because I really really do admire Winnipeg football fans that they are some somehow rewarded for their faithfulness over this this long period of time it it's either setting up for a great payoff on sunday or wow. <laughs> uh, a, a big <laughs> a big fall but big uh, fall, yeah. should be fun to document all right 
All right, we're back, folks, with uh, what would typically be an overtime, but now it's the fourth quarter of our uh, special Grey Cup at Jet Cetera episode. Yeah. Let's hope this fourth quarter is as exciting as the one at Mosaic the other night. The uh, last two minutes of that game was among the craziest thing I've ever seen yeah, in professional the whole, sports. The whole, yeah, the whole fourth quarter was very interesting uh, very and very exciting for sure, and that last, that last two minutes was crazy. So, Mike... Um, you're off to cover your very first Grey Cup. Um, yes. I was thinking about uh, when I went to cover my very first Grey Cup, uh, which was uh, 1989. So 30 years ago, I went to cover. So you were what, 12, 13 uh, at yeah, the time? Sure I was, yeah. How old was I? I would have been uh, 29 years okay. old, I guess. I yeah. was 14 at the time there in 1989. Yeah. So it was the 77th Grey Cup. The Bombers uh, had played in the... Eastern final right. against the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. They lost. And then um, uh, old colleague of mine, Scott Taylor, and I moved along with Dave Suplevy, who was also covering the team. We yeah. sent three people to wow. cover that great team cup. coverage. It was. And the yeah. Bombers weren't even in they it. They weren't even in it. That's the type of money we had back then. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so we went from Hamilton to Toronto. To you guys probably flew cup. first class too, didn't we, you? I don't know how we drove. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> we drove from Hamilton to Toronto, I believe. That's a long time ago, and there may have been a few beverages involved. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of alcohol, yes. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, the, the uh, Riders won that Grey Cup, forty-three to forty. Dave Ridgeway kicked a field goal with three seconds left in the game. An amazing football game, one of the great Grey Cups of all time. I then covered the next year's Grey Cup, uh, where in 1990, <laughs> which was in BC. That was a significant Grey Cup, wasn't it? Cup. The For last one time reason the Bombers, or another. Uh, won a Grey Cup uh, was in 1990, and it was my second Grey Cup ever. I probably would have thought I would have covered a few more Grey Cups. The following year, I got to cover another Grey Cup because it was here in Winnipeg. It was the right. very first time uh, there was ever a Grey Cup here in Toronto. One uh, that the, the Rocket Ishmael it was, it was uh, the Rocket yeah. John Candy was on the sidelines, John right? Candy was I was there. at I was at that game actually. I oh. didn't cover it. I was 16 at the time. I was in the crowd. It was freezing out. It was. I don't know. I was inside. Yeah, no, it was freezing. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I went with my uncle and my dad, and uh, yeah, I remember. So the covering game. a Grey Cup is a very unique event for for a reporter for a, uh, for a journalist in that it's an entire week. Um, pretty much, yeah. you, you land in a destination. You're going to be going to Calgary. You know, and we went to different places, or whatever. And there's a lot of hoopla, and there's a lot of events. There's a lot of dinners. There's a lot of parties. There's, you know, there's a lot of uh, stories. And you don't, and you just get to stay there. You don't have to travel. Right. And then you wait for the game, and then the game comes. You cover the game, and, and it's and it's a and it's a wonderful Great Cup week is a wonderful week. I, I want you to enjoy yourself. And yeah. Have a great time. You must be looking forward. To I it. am. Yeah. And I'm staying at the the Media Hotel, which yeah, is kind right of Grand on. Central Station, yeah. and yeah. they shuttle you to everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's you know commissioner's address, and as you say, breakfast, and the awards are tomorrow night. And they really do it right. They have these. Uh, they have the coaches' breakfast. They have a team breakfast that y'all. All I the believe media there's a TSN to. hosted party tonight. Uh, there's a lot of hosted so, parties. Yeah. Uh, well, I got a bit of a sense of it. I was telling a couple friends the the last couple days I, I i saw it firsthand those those football guys go pretty hard i saw it in regina this past weekend in a much smaller scale 
uh, with the con- the media contingent that was there. Uh, those they guys have what's called the Football Reporters of Canada yes, Hospitality Suite, which our Jeff Hamilton is actually the president of is, the FRC. Yeah, so it's a long-standing <laughs> tradition that they have this hospitality suite and people come and visit. But basically, it's just a bunch of reporters hanging around drinking. And I'm told they have an award that they give out every Sunday morning, the Football Reporters of Canada, to the reporter who best managed to both party and do his or her job. Wow. Uh, and there's one caveat to That's receiving. That's a new one. I don't it recall is. that. Apparently, it's only like four or five years old. It's, na- it's named after a, a reporter. I'm not sure which one. But here's the caveat. You have to show up at the Sunday morning yeah, breakfast yeah, to be eligible. Yeah, and yeah, I'm told yeah. that many a quality <laughs> candidate has you know, had their candidacy go right. off the rails when they didn't show up at breakfast for... Well, you can deduce the reasons Correct. they wouldn't have been at the breakfast. So I, I will say this. Uh, that's kind of not me. I will not be in the running for that award. Okay, I will definitely good, endeavor good to, to do a very good job. The parting aspect of it, probably not so much. But uh, I will definitely take in as much as I can. The Great Cup is still a great Canadian event, I think. For sure. And then there's going to be the Touchdown Manitoba event, which I guess they always do. But mm-hmm. this year will be extra special because I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of Manitobans making the uh, trek west to maybe, hopefully, witness some history this Sunday. Yeah, okay. So the game is Sunday. What time is kickoff? I believe Five it's o'clock? 5.30. I believe things. it is 5.30 Winnipeg time. All right. We'll check that for you folks. Yes. Look for it in our paper. Yeah, exactly. To be accurate. Don't take our word for it here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you're if you're there in person or if you're just watching on TV, enjoy enjoy the ride, folks. And then you, you're heading straight from the Great Cup to cover the Jets on this Western yes. trip. Mike, the glamorous life of Mike Matthews. I am, but uh, I'm getting a day off uh, next Tuesday Jose. in San Jose. But you know what I'm going to do, Steve? We should go to San Francisco. I am I going to San Francisco okay, and I'm going to Alcatraz. Oh, I've never nice. been. Uh, so maybe next podcast we can talk. It combines I went my right by at the Sausalito. Sausalito is way nicer. Oh yeah, place. oh way nicer. Okay, Al- Alcatraz is an old danky prison. You know yeah. that's right. Sausalito is a beautiful uh, coastal city. Okay, way nicer. Mike. All right, just well, may call an audible then. I'm just saying you can do both though. The sure. ferry will go to either. Yeah, it's a beautiful little ferry ride though. Perfect. Well, maybe next podcast I'll I'll give you my reviews. Okay, thanks. Okay, that's it for us, I guess, eh? Do it we, is. Do we say goodbye normally? Well, we usually just say know. we're available on all the regular... <laughs> Go ahead. I don't have my list, Steve, I, and I, I don't have this memorized. Just find <laughs> us everywhere. You're listening to us. If you're listening to us on the Free Press website, we've got all the all right. all the links. So, yeah, enjoy the game, folks. It In should a be a good weeks, one. Folks, yeah.